Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Wait on people. Give honor to God and all the saints, thanking God for his love and kindness, his goodness, his greatness, all he's done, all he's going to do. God, we give you the praise, we give you the glory. We thank you, God, for being the awesome God that you are. We thank you, God, for all you've done and all you're going to do. We give you praise. You brought us through another week. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I worship you. I exalt your name, Lord. I thank you, God, for everything you've done, everything you're going to do. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the week coming before us. I ask you, Lord, to keep the windows of heaven open. I come against the demon spirit of legal abuse, the attacks on people's licenses, the attacks on people's lives. I bind and rebuke every demon force trying to take happiness out of one's life. I bind and rebuke and plead the blood of Jesus against that COVID demon and every viral demon, bacterial demon, every man-made demon trying to usurp authority over man. The blood of Jesus is against you in the name of Jesus. I ask you, God, to keep us healthy, to shield us, to cover us, bind up electronic harassment, bind up electronic torture, bind up the silencing of eugenics, destroy eugenics, plead the blood, the blood of Jesus against the eugenics demon, the blood of Jesus against the legal abuse demon. We bind up corruption demon. We bind up that demon to make people in high positions think that their job is to follow the money and to destroy the people. We come against that demon spirit, that corporate demon of money hungriness to destroy people, to kill people. The blood of Jesus. We plead the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus against every satanic strategy used on this earth to deter people away from God. We plead the blood of Jesus against every satanic strategy to make people unhealthy, to cause people to be sick, to kill people under multiple disguises. We bind and rebuke the induced hospitalization demon. We bind and rebuke the killing of young people and, and older people, innocent people, labeling them dead while they're alive. We bind and rebuke the blood of Jesus is against that killing people and saying that they're uh, killing people on untimely death, the blood of Jesus. God, we ask you to bless each and every listener, participant, and, and uh, downloader in the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father. Let us be covered by your blood. Our blood is precious in your sight, and we plead the blood of Jesus to watch over and guide and direct our steps and keep every one of these demons away from us. God, we praise you. We exalt you. We thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you that we can come and pray, cover our homes, our houses from head to toe, bless our bloodline, the young people in our bloodline, cover them from head to toe, watch over them, let them be men and women of God. We plead the blood of Jesus of a gener for a generation of young people that worship, praise, and know you, God, to be able to know the tactics of the devil and to shed and to send that demon to, to the pit of hell that he came from.
God, we just praise you. We just thank you. We exalt you. And we ask you, God, to guide us and direct us. Bless my sister Wahida, Heavenly Father. I thank you for taking her son out of that situation. Cover him from head to bottom. Bless Wahida. Cover her from head to bottom, Heavenly Father. Bless my sister Ann that couldn't make it. Bless all of those that want to be here and couldn't make it. My brother Mel, my nephew Elijah, the other one, Haru, cover them. Let them be men of God. In the name of Jesus, bless all the young people. Raise them up, Heavenly Father, to have a standard, to have a standard of righteousness, that the devil won't be able to use them, that money won't be able to destroy them. Bind up that demon spirit of having people in key leadership positions acting ignorant towards saving their own people and putting money before the lives of people. We come against the demon spirit, the ignorant spirit, the spirit of having a position and acting like you don't have common sense. You can't do the right thing because of the position. We bind it up. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. God, we just ask you, Heavenly Father, to use your people to retake this earth from all demonic forces. God, we give you the praise. God, we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, my sister, what well, he's going to pray, and then we're going to go into the, the topic tonight is spiritual weapons for spiritual warfare. Okay. Go ahead, Wahida. Father God, I give you praise, I give you thanks, I honor you, I cherish you, I believe in you, I know that you are the one and only God of the world. I love you, I bless you. Heavenly Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive our trespasses. As we forgive all those who trespass against us, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Father God, thank you so much for life again today, despite everything I'm going through. You're saving me. Thank you for saving my children. Thank you for saving Miriam and all the TIs, Father. For we didn't ask to be in this position, Father, but it's too much. Please put a stop to this somehow. Let these people realize if I don't know if they're being put into it, mind control, whatever, Father. It's not right. Please put a stop to it. Too much torture, Father. They're enjoying doing it, Father. Please change them. Bring them to you, Father. Satan, it seems like Satan is rolling right now, Father. Defeat him. Thank you for saving my son, Vincent, Father. Continue to heal him. Please put him in his right thinking and thoughts and mind. Not to go back to the hospital when he gets sick, when he feels pain. Let him know that this is being done to him through man, man doing this to him. Father, please. Please, break up all of my children. Let them realize what's happening is real. It's people doing this. Their technology is doing this, Father. Let them have their own thoughts, their own thinking, and their own minds, Father. 
Give them a chance. Take them out of this program. Take Miriam nephews out too. Help them, Father. For you know what they did to all. All the people of the world, Father, and who are awake and know what's going on. You know what they're doing. They're silencing, they're torturing the whole family. Please put a stop to this, Father. I don't want to say I hate them, but I want you to let them stop doing this to us. We did nothing to them, and it's horrible what they're doing. Today they put me in pain all of a sudden. So horrific pain in my stomach, Father. Please, Father, help us. It's too much to bear and take, Father. Please, Father, we are your children too. Please continue to give us food, shelter, clothing. Please let my children get married and all the young people, Father. Please put in their head they don't need to be gays and lesbian, Father. Amen. You didn't make them. You didn't make them to be that way. You need you make them for a man and a woman to get married, Father. Please help the young people. Please let them realize drugs and alcohol and hookah and those things would not benefit them. Please turn them to you, to God, to churches. Please let the churches open. Please let the country open. Please let coronavirus disappear. Please don't make no more people die from coronavirus. Father, please, please let the doctors realize they need to help people. They need your blessing. Money is not all, Father. Wrongdoing is not good. Oh, Father, please, please, please help us. Make your world a better place. Please make Donald Trump be president again this year so he can make this country better and the world will be better. They follow American footsteps, Father. I thank you so much. I love you, Father. In your holy name, amen. Amen, amen. Amen. We don't um, endorse any particular party, but we ask you, Lord, to put the president that is going to help the people and stop the fraud and stop the eugenics and stop the corruption. And only God knows who that is. So we give God all the praise and the glory. I'm going to read Psalm 7 for the scripture, and then our topic tonight is spiritual. We're looking at spiritual weapons for spiritual warfare. What are spiritual weapons for spiritual warfare? And we'll start with Psalm 7. Lord, my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me, or they will tear me apart like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. Lord, my God, if I have done this and there's guilt on my hands, if I've repaid my ally with evil or without cause have robbed my foe, if I've done any of this, then let the enemy pursue and overtake. Let him trample to the ground and make me sleep in the dust. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God. Decree justice. Let the assembled people gather around you while you sit enthroned over them on high. Let the Lord judge the people. Vindicate me, Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity. O Most High, bring to an end the violence of the wicked and make the righteous secure. You, the righteous God, who probes minds and hearts, 
My shield is God's most high, who saves the upright in heart. God is righteous. He's a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. If he does not relent, he will sharpen his sword. He will bend and sting his bow. He has prepared his deadly weapons. He makes ready his flaming arrows. Whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to disillusionment. Whoever digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit they have made. The trouble they cause recalls on them. Their violence comes down on their own heads. I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the praises of the name of the Lord Most High. Psalm 7. Thank you, Lord. Tonight we're looking at spiritual weapons for spiritual warfare. We start with 2 Corinthians 12, 2 that says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. What is the third heaven? Let's take a look. This verse brings us face to face with the revelation that there is more than one heaven. Paul says he knew a man, and incidentally, I've never have believed this man was Paul, who had a marvelous experience of being caught up into the third heaven, where he heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter, 2 Corinthians 12, 4. I believe we can assume that there is a third heaven. There must be a first and second heaven. I want to look for a moment at the placement and inhabitants of each of these heavens. This is important if we're going to pray victoriously. In these verses, Paul indicated that the third heaven is the location of paradise. This is now the place where the departed spirits of the righteous go. But this was not always the case. There was a time when the abode of the righteous dead was, was down in Shaol, S-H-E-O-L, a special compartment of the lower part of the earth. Hmm. You will remember that under the old covenant, Abraham and all the saints went down into a special place that was separated from the spirits of the departed wicked by a great gulf. After the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, paradise was translated. From that time on, paradise has been up in the third heaven in the presence of Almighty God. The Bible also speaks about something we could call the mid-heaven or second heaven. This word is taken from the book of Revelation. John said, for instance, I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, Revelation 14.6. That is actually one single compound noun that could well be translated the mid-heaven. This second heaven is Satan's headquarters. From that position, he and his angels do everything they can do to bring destruction on earth and to resist the purposes of God's grace. God's grace, blessing, and mercy. More on that in a moment. The first heaven is what we see when we go out at night and we look up into the stars. It's the visible heaven. We might say that it is the roof of a man's dwelling place. So we see that God resides in the third heaven and man resides near the first heaven. 
in between the two, in the mid-heaven, resides a rebellion kingdom of Satan and his fallen angels. Well, I never, I never heard of that. Now, what does this have to do with praying prayers that God hears and answers quite a bit? It gives us a picture of spiritual conflict, the opposition we face when we pray, the view of the heavenlies. To understand spiritual warfare, we need to understand what we're fighting against. Scripture reveals that as the present time, at the present time, Satan's headquarters are in the heavenlies. Paul gives us a clear picture of this in his letter to the Ephesians. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, Ephesians 6, 12. The King James Version, while quite familiar, does not give the most accurate translation. Let's break this verse down into a more literal understanding of the word. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. In Ephesians and other passages, the word principalities and powers are often jointly closed together. The word principality is derived directly from the Greek word for ruler. The word power is the word for authority. So we prefer to say that our wrestling match as believers is not against flesh and blood, not against human beings, but we're fighting against rulerships and the realms of the authority. It is also against the rulers of the darkness of this world. A more literal wording of this would be against the world rulers of the present darkness. The darkness of this present age has a world's headquarters from which it is ruled. The headquarters is the mid-heaven and the ruler is Satan. In Ephesians 2.2, Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. He is then the ruler of the realm of authority that is defined by the air. Many people picture Satan living down in the bowels of the earth. He's not there. He is in the heavenlies. Obviously, he is not in the heaven. That is God's dwelling. He was cast down from that. But neither is he on earth. Revelation 12, 9 tells us that a time is coming when he will be cast down out of the heavenlies unto earth. Then it says he is going to make all the trouble he can in the short time that he's left to him. We all look at this in more depth in a, in a later chapter. But in the meantime, up in the fulfillment of that passage in Revelations 12, his headquarters are in the mid-heaven. We also wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what the Bible tells us. What we're fighting against is spiritual wickedness in high places. The King James wording high places here is completely different. The same Greek word is used numerous times in Ephesians, and in each of these places it is correctly translated heavenly. Now let's view our more literal translation of Ephesians 6.12. Our wrestling match is not against flesh and blood, but against rulerships and the realms of their authority, against the world rulers of the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenlies. This is our spiritual conflict. In the book of Daniel, the Bible gives us a vivid picture of his battle in progress. 
Let's turn there. The battle in the heavenlies. Daniel taken from Israel to Babylon as a youth, he remained a fervent student of the literature of his people. As such, he was aware that the prophetic timeline of the Babylonian captivity was coming to a close. In the first year of his reign, in 1 Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, that, that prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem, Daniel 9-2. Daniel began to pray for this approaching eventually with the time of fasting. In those days, Daniel was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Daniel 10 to 3. Daniel saw, let me go, let me make sure, okay. Daniel saw, Daniel saw what God had committed himself to do and responded with this attitude. God, I'm on this, I'm in this with you. Count me in. I'll give myself to prayer and fasting as I never have done before until I see the fulfillment of your promise in experience. We will explore in chapter 8 the theme of fasting as a powerful component of prayer, as a spiritual weapon. Okay. For now, we note that fasting is a kind of spiritual, uh, spiritual um, meaning. God has said that he will give the oil of joy to those who mourn in Zion, see Isaiah 61. Not the natural mourning of the flesh, but the spiritual mourning of those who are concerned about the desolation of God's house and God's people. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be com comforted, Matthew 5, 4. Let me note that we must be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit about this. We should not try to mourn when the Holy Spirit is comforting us, and we should not try to work up excitement and a thrill when the Holy Spirit is calling us to mourn. And Dan Daniel spent 21 days mourning, praying, and waiting upon God. He did not fast completely, but he abstained from all except the most basic forms of food and drink. At the end... At the end of those three weeks, the archangel Gabriel was sent to Daniel with the revelation of God's purpose for Israel in the last days. The rest of chapter 10 and the next two chapters of Daniel describe the event of the angel, his appearance and the revelation that he brought. For our purposes of understanding spiritual warfare, let's look at the timeline of the angel's appearance. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel for, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your prayers, Daniel 10, 12. Daniel's prayer was heard the first day that he started to pray, but the angel did not arrive until three weeks later. What happened? What happened in the meantime? The next verse tells us, 
but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which stood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief prince, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. When the archangel Gabriel spoke about the prince of the kingdom of Persia, he was not talking about a human being. He was talking about one of the dark angels in the mid-heaven. Gabriel started on his journey the first day that Daniel started to pray. Angelic warfare in the heavenlies withheld his arrival. The good holy angels were opposed and resisted by Satan's angels, the angels of darkness. But notice, it was Daniel's prayers on earth that got the archangel through. Do you see how important prayers are? The archangel depended on Daniel and his prayer to get through. We have to pray. Notice also that the initiative is with earth, not heaven. Wow, the prayers, the prayers have to come from earth. Daniel started the whole thing moving. And I venture to say in certain respect that that remains true today. We are not waiting for God. God is waiting for us. When we move, heaven will move. Then will come the conflict and our prayers on earth will settle it. Mm. So that means when we pray, heaven does move. But then that, the, those demons try to stop it the dark angels, and it's our prayers that will send warrior angels to knock those demons down. We who are believers and know how to pray are much more important than most of us have the faintest idea. The scripture shows us something else as well. It shows why we can pray for something in the will of God and not receive the answer immediately. Mm. Wow. Again, why do we pray sometime and not receive the answer immediately? Picture it like this. The three heavens are on three different levels, one above the other. When the prayer of the believer goes up from earth, the angel bearing the answer comes down at God's word, leaving the third heaven. But in between the two, a wicked prince in the mid heaven works to block the answer. When the believer prays through that conflict, the answer comes. The meeting point of the prayer and the answer is the breakthrough. That is why Jesus said men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Don't give up on prayer. Luke 18.1. We often have to pray through in order to have the breakthrough that God intends for us. But notice the distinction. We are not praying through because of hesitancy or reluctance on God's part, as some suppose. No. We are praying through satanic opposition in a kingdom in the midheaven set in direct opposition to all the good that God wants to do for us. Mm. If you're sensitive to the spirit, you will know when the breakthrough has taken place. There have been times in spiritual experience when I have known it is settled. Now we have the victory. Now we can dance. Now we can sing. The battle is finished. All that is left is to gather the spoils. We will see an illustration of this from the story of Jehoshaphat. This is the basic picture of spiritual conflict as it unfolds in scripture. When the angel left Daniel, he gave, his, he gave further insight. 
and now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. When I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. Daniel 10.20 The prince of Persia was a satanic angel that dominated the kingdom of Persia. This was of particular importance to Daniel because Persia was ruling over God's people, Israel. When the Persian Empire was defeated, the empire of Greece followed. Behind the empire of Greece was another satanic angel called the Prince of Greece. This shows us that Earth's empires have their counterpart in Satan's empire. In other words, Satan seeks to control the empires of Earth through its rulers in order to take its leaders and government instruments of his will. That's exactly what's going on in New York and California. Our leaders, have a, they're, they're not serving God. There's no way you can contact your governor and your leaders about outright corruption, electronic torture, eugenics, and they totally disregard it. So this is making 100% sense. We must pray for our governments in order to frustrate Satan and to bring our governments under heaven's control. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus that the, our government, our governor's office will come under heaven's control, under the most high God's control. That is why Paul said, first of all, before you pray for the sick, the missionaries, the evangelists, even your family to pray for the government. Wow. As we have seen, anyone who criticizes the government is telling the world that he has failed in his prayers. He has not done his job. He has allowed these dark angels to crowd in over the buildings where vital decisions are made that affect not only us, but also the whole kingdom of God. We must not tolerate that invasion of Satan. So Heavenly Father, we pray for our government to be under the rulership of the Most High God and that every demon trying to take usurp authority they do not have to be sent back to the pit of hell, to the mid-heaven, to the pit of hell wherever they came from. But that their governorship, our government will be controlled by the Most High God. Our position in the heaven places. The decisive factor in this great war with Satan is just one thing, praying believers. We are the ones who tip the scale for victory on God's side. This is an astonishing fact, but scripture makes it clear that this is so. Our prayers are not unimportant. They are not secondary. They are the decisive issue in the entire spiritual conflict. The way we pray will decide the way the universe goes. Mm. Again, the way we pray will decide the way the universe goes. Satan's job is to discourage us from praying. I do not believe that this is an exaggeration. I believe it is the literal truth. Nothing grieves me more than to hear believers talk as if they weren't important. It doesn't much matter what I say or what I do. I'm basically insignificant. That is not true. It is just because we are significant that God has chosen you, us, for the demonstration of his wisdom, his grace, and his power to the whole universe. 
But this means that we are no longer, we are not insignificant. We are extremely significant. The whole universe revolves around us. We believe this. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.15, all things are for your sake. Everything is for our sake because of our relationship to the Most High God and because of what God is determined to do through us for the whole universe. Paul helps us understand our position in the spiritual conflict. Blessed be the Lord God, Father Jesus Christ, who who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1.3, God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. For above all principality and power, all rulership and realm of authority, Ephesians 1.20-21. God has raised us up together and made us sit together with Christ in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2.6. Jesus has been exalted far above the realm that is Satan's headquarters. Further, we accept by faith that in the spirit you and I are seated with Christ and the realm that is far above Satan in his realm. Physically, we are down here on earth, but spiritually, because of our relationship with Christ, we are with him. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Ephesians 3.10. What a marvelous statement. Us, God's people, we who believe in Jesus Christ are demonstrations, are God's demonstration of his many-sided wisdom to the whole theater of the universe. We see earth is not the center of the universe, but is the stage. The writer of Hebrews says we are surrounded so great a cloud of witnesses. See Hebrews 12.1. We are being watched from the third heaven by those who are cheering us, by those who are cheering for us. And we're being watched from the second heaven by those who are booing against us. We are a spectacle, Paul says, to men, to angels, and to the whole world, the whole universe. And God is showing in us the weak, the unworthy, the the base, the rejected, all the riches of his grace, his glory, and his wisdom. You know why God chose us? Because there is nothing in us that could ever take the credit. All the glory has to go to God. The base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. 1 Corinthians 1.28 Our spiritual weapons. What are spiritual weapons? If we're involved in spiritual warfare, and if you get, if you and you know, this anyone to me today, going through this uh, Corona thing and and just living day to day, you're involved in spiritual warfare. If we are involved in spiritual warfare against the spiritual enemy, it is obvious that we must have spiritual weapons. Carnal weapons are of no use whatsoever for spiritual warfare. And that means things like a gun, that is, there's no use for a gun when you fight in spiritual warfare. If you're fighting a spiritual warfare, then you got to have spiritual weapons. What are spiritual weapons? You cannot blast demons and rebellious angels out of the way with a tank. This is what Paul said, for though we walk in the flesh, 
Though we live in the body, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal nor material, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10.3 Whose stronghold? Satan. Where does he have his strongholds? Maybe in the very head offices of our government at this time. Maybe there are men and women in vital administrative offices that are Satan's stronghold. Whose business is it to pull them down? Ours. And we have been given the weapon, the weapons of our warfare, cast down arguments and everything exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The great thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God is Satan's kingdom in the heavenlies. We have been given the weapon to cast Satan's kingdom down in the name of Jesus, that that kingdom, that mid-heaven, that heavenly places, spiritual wickedness and high places will come down in the name of Jesus. And we are the ones who are going to do it. The weapons have been placed in our hands rather than in the hands of the angels through the angels, though, though the angels doubtless have their weapons. God has provided us three main spiritual weapons. The word of God, the name of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus. We launch these weapons by these means, through prayer, praise, preaching, and testimony. Let's look at these briefly. The word of God is in Ephesians 6.14. Paul lists the spiritual armor of the Christian soldier needs for spiritual conflict. The first five items of armor in Ephesians 6, in Ephesians 6, it tells us we must guard our waist with truth. We must put on the breastplate of righteousness, seeing that our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We must take up the shield of faith, and we must have the helmet of salvation. These protect the believer. And you know, you have to have faith. You have to have righteousness. And uh, there is no weapon of offense or attack until we come to the sixth item, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Here in the word of God, reading, reading the Bible, getting better understanding of it, that is what makes you strong. When the devil tries to knock you down, when you know God's word, you can stand on it. Here is the great weapon of attack. If you do not use the word of God, you may be able to protect yourself, but you have nothing to attack Satan with. If you want to put Satan to flight, if you want to get him out of your way, out of your home, out of your family, out of your business, if you do not want just to tolerate him and hold him off, the weapon you must use is the weapon of attack, and that's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that just means knowing your Bible, being able to tell the devil, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Satan, you are going back to the pit of hell, citing scripture. The word of God is translated here as the rima, which usually denotes a word that is spoken. In other words, I didn't know this was so long. In other words, the Bible lying on a bookshelf on a nightstand is not an effective weapon. It is when we take scripture in our mouth and we proclaim it boldly that it becomes a sharp two-edged sword. Note, too, that it is the sword of the Holy Spirit. 
We can take God's word in our mouth, but it only achieves its full effect when it is the Holy Spirit within us who actually yields it. The perfect pattern of how to use the sword of the spirit is provided by Jesus' encounter with Satan at the time of his temptation in the wilderness. Three times Satan approached Jesus with temptation, and each time Jesus drove him back to the scripture. He said, in the Bible, it is written, see Matthew 4, Jesus used no other weapon but the word of God, the rema, the spoken word of the spirit. God has made the same weapon available to each of us. It is important, however, to bear two things in mind. First, Jesus had already been filled with the Holy Spirit, see Luke 4.1, and it was the Holy Spirit in Jesus who directed him in the use of the sword, in the use of the word of God. And second, Jesus, like every Bible believer, he had memorized long passages of scripture so when Satan confronted him, he, didn't, he did not need to consult a concordance or go to a library. He had already stored up the scriptures in his memory. Surely we today need to do that uh, just as much as he did. Another one of our weapons is the name of Jesus. Another powerful weapon for us to use is the name of Jesus. These two verses in Psalm 8 give us a unique understanding. O oh Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Who have you have set your glory above the heavens? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. The enemy and the avenger is Satan, and God has given us the means to silence him. What good news? What is the weapon? It is the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, our Lord, O oh Lord, our God. How excellent is your name on all the earth. The channel that launches the name is that is the human mouth, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants. Spiritual things find expression out of the mouth. This is true for both good and evil. Look at Revelation 16, 13, for instance. John saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Why does the psalmist refer to the mouth of babes and nursing infants? To show that we do not have to be spiritual giants. God has chosen the weak, the foolish, the things that are despised to bring to naught all Satan's kingdom in the heavenly. In the Gospel of Matthew, we read that Jesus quoted this verse, Psalms 8-2, and he gave us the interpretation. The Pharisees and the temple rulers had come to Jesus complaining that there was too much noise in the temple. People were dancing, clapping their hands, singing, singing hosannas, and it upset the religious leaders. So they said to Jesus, don't you hear the noise? Is this the right thing to be doing in the temple? Can't you call these people to, it's one to order? Jesus gave them his response. Have you not read out of the mouth of babes and mourning infants, you have perfected praise? David wrote the words ordained strength. Jesus interpreted them as perfected praise. What does that tell us? That the ordained strength of God's people is perfect praise. When you praise the name of the Lord, precisely you shut the devil up. 
Can you see, my friend, why the devil's so busy trying to keep you from praising the Lord? Why, when you effectively, effectively, with your whole heart, in unison, with one accord, praise God, it shuts the devil's mouth. And if ever there was a thing he does not like, it is to have his mouth shut. He will do everything he can, religious pressure, social pressure, fear of man, to keep you from turning loose in your prayers and praising the name of Jesus. God has given us a kind of revelation, like an inner TV screen on which from time to time we see all over the earth. Groups of believers gathered, all standing with one accord, in one accord, with arms in the air, praising and exalting the name of the Lord. God has shown us that when this happens, in the spiritual powers of darkness over that city or over that nation, they are broken. This is the way to drive out infiltration of Satan's angels and demons. The air above our cities or our churches and our homes can be purified by perfect praise. Well, these are our weapons, the name of Jesus, the word of God. And now we're looking at the blood of Jesus. There is much I want to say about the blood of Jesus in relation to prayer. This will be the topic in the next chapter. But I want to make one point here. Revelation 12, 11 tells us they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Who is they? The believers on earth. Who is him? Satan. What I want to emphasize is that the final victory comes to God's angels, but to the final victory comes not to God's angels, but to the believers. This passage describes war in heaven. Michael and his angels are fighting. Satan and his angels are fighting. But the believers overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. By testifying continually about the blood of Jesus, they dislodged Satan from the heavenly. Is that not tremendous? Can, can, you, see, uh, can you see why the devil will do everything he can to shut your mouth? Except when you gossip. When you gossip about your neighbor, but when you want to praise God, you want to pray, you want to utter the word of God or testify to what the Lord has done for you, Satan will put a barrier in front of your lip. Why? Because you're casting down his stronghold. We have another example of a spiritual battle in the Old Testament story of Jehoshaphat. In this battle, God's people gained total victory. Their enemy was completely defeated. All they had to do was collect spoils. I want to look briefly at the strategy of Jehoshaphat, the weapons and the, that, that he used and how he gained his victory. I believe that every one of us, every one of these principles and every one of these weapons applies exactly to us today. What is spiritual victory? Jehoshaphat was king of Judah. He had just brought the people back to God and he reestablished the mosaic system of the temple of the Lord, the priesthood and the judges. He had done a wonderful job. Then he was threatened by an invasion of a large host made up of Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, and others approaching his kingdom from the east, which was the Dead Sea. Jehoshaphat realized that he and his people were so outnumbered and the enemy had such superiority of numbers and they had military power and they could not meet them merely on the natural plane. So Jehoshaphat and the children of Judah moved the battle. Oh boy. 
Oh, Lord, did this thing go off? Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, good. I thought it went off. All right, I'm almost done here. The board went black. Okay. First, God's people fat. All right, what did Jehoshaphat do? There was basically a bunch of, he was, he was the, 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 the chief of his country, and now he found out that they're going to have invaders. These Satanists are going to come after them, trying to take over his territory, take over his land. So Jehoshaphat said, oh, Lord, what do I do? But he was a God-fearing man. So first thing he said, God's people fasted. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek God, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. He had the whole Judah fasting, 2 Chronicles 23. God's people were confronted with a life or death issue. They stopped playing church, and they set themselves to seek God's face. This was not a private individual fast. It was a collective fast of all of God's people confronted with the immediate danger of military defeat and possible extermination. They knew the last great resort of God's people is collective fasting. Second, they gathered together. Judah gathered together to ask help from God. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. In every, in every major crisis in the history of Israel, God's people forgot their differences and came together. The next thing was prayer. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, Oh God, our Father, you are not, you are, you, you not God in the heaven and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations and in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? Second Chronicles 25. Notice that Jehoshaphat did not pray randomly. He prayed on the basis of the written word of God as he knew it. He quoted God's word back to the Bible. He quoted the Bible. This is a good example of praying God's will. All right? That's not praying what we want, but praying God's will. Repeating to God what he has committed himself to do. Jehoshaphat prayed exactly that kind of prayer. He took God back to the history of his people, the Old Testament records, the law of Moses, the judges, the prophets. Jehoshaphat said, God, you promised thus and so, now do it. Do as you have said. Next, as soon as he finished praying, a prophecy came forth. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehoshaphat, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael. Listen, all of you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Joseph, Josephat. Wherever God's people fast and come together in praise, there always will be prophetic revelation. I believe that prophetic ministry comes out of the fellowship of God's people earnestly seeking him. No religious games, no parlor tricks, no spiritual cocktail parties, just desperate hearts before God. This man came forth with prophecy and a word of wisdom. He said, don't be afraid. 
The battle is not yours. It is God's. You will not need to fight. All you have to do is to go down tomorrow to a certain place called the accent of this, and you will find that God has dealt with your enemies. Then they incorporated one more weapon, praise. They start praising God. Then the Levites of the children of the Kuhites of the children, they stood up and gave God praise. The Lord God Israel with high voices, the praises continued to the next day. The forefront of the army was a group of priests praising and singing. I would believe they were doing a little dancing too, if I know anything about the people during those times. They could not go on. Praising, they they went on praising and singing, and start and, and could and started to dance. Now, when they began to sing and to praise God, that set ambushes against their enemies. In the midst of their praise, and the Lord dealt with the enemy. What a revelation! You ministered to the Lord; He ministers to your problems. If God's people could only see this, our weapons are mighty through God. We reach up to God and we split that mid-heaven, the mid-heaven of darkness between us. God teaches, God reaches down and touches whatever problems we face as a nation and individuals. When we use the spiritual weapons that God has given us, that is praise, testimony, prayer, God will be as faithful to us today as he was to Jehoshaphat and the children of Judah. Every enemy coming against them in battle was destroyed. It took three days to gather the spoil. They came back to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front, praising God. And the fear of God fell on all the kingdom round about. They had no more problems with military invasions from them on. Do you believe that can happen today? Do you believe that believers can do this around the world? May the Lord give us just a little spiritual glimpse of his greatness and his glory. And may we pray till all the hosts of heaven abound, restrained and ultimately cast down. Amen. And that was, um, we took a look here at Secrets of uh, a Prayer Warrior. We looked at uh, spiritual weapons for spiritual warfare. And uh, the key weapon is the name of Jesus. Our spiritual weapons, the word of God, memorizing your Bible, knowing your Bible when that devil come after you, citing it. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The, the word of God tells us no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Satan, you must flee. You must go back to the pit of hell. We bind and rebuke it. We send that eugenics demon to the pit of hell. So our weapons are spiritual weapons, the word of God, the name of Jesus, testimony. When you testify about how good God has been to you, that's a smack in the devil's face. The blood of Jesus, you know, always pleading the blood of Jesus. We can expect spiritual victory through prayer. Amen. Wow. The next chapter I'm not reading tonight. Next time. God's atomic weapon, the blood of Jesus. God's atomic weapon, the blood of Jesus. We'll take a look at that next time. So those are some of the um, spiritual warfare weapons. Spiritual warfare, we looked at the mid, the mid heaven, that there were three heavens. God's at the top and that demon's in the middle. And uh, we have uh, the first heaven. And... Um, 
That's why you we got to pray. This is spiritual. As you know, if you have any kind of uh, uh, um, spiritual uh, survivor of this uh, eugenics program, you know this is a spiritual program. Our weapons are welfare, our weapons of prayer, testimonies, and the word of God. The blood of Jesus, pleading the blood of Jesus and praying, praying it through and not giving up on prayer. Because that's this this program wants you to be helpless and hopeless. So with that being said, any questions? Oh, Miriam, thank you. What what do you think about our weapons? Um, um, what do you think about our weapons for spiritual warfare? Prayer. What do you think about prayer? How come prayer works? How come it doesn't work sometimes? Mm. Well, according it to this, sometimes it don't work when you're not really sincere and focused and godly. This reading said, yeah, this reading said, you know, you're 100% correct. This reading said that when we pray sometime, you know, our prayers are always heard. But when the angel comes, God sends the angel to address our prayer. He said that there's that demon like the Prince of Persia that try to stop stop that angel from making that, that prayer work. And the way we overcome okay. that battle, having those angels battle, is by praying on earth. That was to let us know that the prayers on earth are, are very, very, very strong. And that's why I believe even for loved ones that we've lost, we must keep them in prayer. We have to keep our loved ones in prayer. Lord, bless each and every one of our loved ones that we've lost, Heavenly Father. Let them reach the heaven with you, God. <laughs> cover them and protect them. We thank you, God, for the privilege of prayer. We thank you, God, for being on this earth to be able to send prayers up. So bless those, Heavenly Father, that we lost. May they rest in peace and be with you and keep us here, God. Bless each one of us with the gift of longevity. Let us be able to do great works on this earth, Heavenly Father. Line us up to the assignment you created us for. And don't let none of us leave this earth, God, before we reach the destiny that you created us for. God, I praise you and I exalt you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.